0: To the Denver Stiff Show. I am your host Ryan Blackburn at NBA Blackburn on Twitter. It is Friday as we take you into the weekend post trade deadline. Lots of fun stuff happened around the NBA world this this past couple of days. The Nuggets were involved in a lot of those things, and there are a lot of things that affect the Nuggets this season and going forward. The Nuggets, of course, made a couple of trades that we will talk about. We'll also talk about the Utah Jazz epic game that just took place on Wednesday night. And to break it all down with me, I have brought on senior writer for Denver Stiffs, Brandon Ewing. Brandon, how are you, man?
1: Ryan, I am doing fantastic. I appreciate you letting me hop on the pod tonight, talk a little trade deadline, talk a little Nuggets big time victory over the Utah Jazz. And I mean, there's no more stress over the trade deadline. We have a we have a good vision of what this Nuggets team is gonna look like the second half of the season, so what better way than the talk about
0: it on a new Denver stiff so let's get let's get this puppy rolling. There was a lot of a lot of worry, a lot of consternation to to throw a vocab word at you. Uh and I'm a little bit, I'm a little bit surprised that they didn't end up making a bigger move. I thought that it was all lined up to do so, and things kind of fell through at the end. There were a couple of big names, including Drew Holiday, that the Nuggets did inquire about, that they did try and go get, that they did make offers for, and those fell through. And the New Orleans Pelicans decided to just roll with what they have, and that's good on them perfectly fine, perfectly reasonable. Drew Holiday is a great player, and you don't give him up for a deal that you don't feel is reasonable. So the Nuggets were forced to pivot. They made two separate deals, the first of which was probably the more impactful deal for how Nuggets fans feel about this season. Because it involved acquiring a first-round pick, I feel like a lot of fans were upset that this team wasn't necessarily pushing for the playoffs, pushing for title contention. But those guys weren't going to play anyway, I think. What, what say you? Yeah, I just
1: – I don't really know how to feel about it, to be honest, because the other day when we, when we first saw the trade, I remember during our little roundtable, I gave it a C because I wanted to see if they did any other moves. And they did another move today with Jordan McRae, which I'm sure we'll talk about. But it's just like – I don't know. that the It's – I have a really hard time grading trades right when they happen, especially when there's a first round pick involved, because you never know what's going to happen with it in the offseason. You never know if they actually keep the pick, who they draft, and how that player turns out. So it's really hard to grade it right now. I still think it was really hard to lose Malik Beasley. And that three-point shooting, losing that is something I'm a little worried about. But I know Jordan McCray can shoot threes, but I don't know how much he's going to play. So the three-point shooting is still one thing that I'm a little concerned about, but I'm not going to put a, a grade on the trade yet because I still want it to, to kind of play out and just see what happens because that first-round pick could be huge. just depends on where the Houston Rockets finish this year. So Nuggets fans should be rooting for Houston to lose every single game the rest of the season because then it's going to make this trade a whole lot better from a Denver perspective.
0: That shouldn't be hard for Nuggets fans. They always root for Houston to lose. That's That seems pretty clear. Uh, so let's let's go through the trades, actually. We've mentioned it in passing, but let's actually break this down. The Nuggets made their first trade on Tuesday night, sending out Malik Beasley, Wancha Hernan Gomez, and Jared Vanderbilt all to the Minnesota Timberwolves. In exchange, they brought back Keita Bates-Diop, Noah Vonley, Shabazz Napier, Gerald Green, and and the 2020 Houston first-round pick. So, we, so we've so we seen. I haven't actually seen that 2020 number confirmed, but I've heard somebody say it. Uh, Woj did not confirm it. Nobody actually did. So we're just assuming at this point. I think that's a good assumption, though, and, and it's still a good pick, especially if it's unprotected. Uh, but then the Nuggets decided, okay, Shabazz Napier, we've already got Monte Morris, we've already got P.J. Dozier, we don't really need Shabazz Napier. If if we were going to trade Monte Morris, Shabazz Napier would have been a good backup option, but that kind of fell through. And so instead, they decided to pivot and forward Shabazz Napier onto Jordan McRae, uh, onto, onto Washington and the Wizards and picked up wing shooter and scorer Jordan McRae. And let me tell you, man. I really like Jordan McRae, and I think that the Nuggets did a really good job in getting him, getting somebody who's actually shooting better from three than Malik Beasley this year, and he he seems like he would be a good fit, especially as like a 10th or 11th guy that can play sometimes, but not necessarily play every time. Uh, what did you think of what Denver did when it was all said and done?
1: Yeah, I was really impressed with the Jordan McRae move just because Man, he's a he's a scorer. Like I looked at his game log this year and he he had a 35-point game just last last month off the bench. Like I mean this this guy right. this guy's a walking bucket and then it it led me to look even further because he hasn't really played that many NBA games the last few seasons. So I went to look at his G League stats and last year he he averaged 30.3 points per game in the G League. Like I get a lot, of great. Peop- a lot of people can go off in the G league, but
0: 30.3 points per game is kind of an insane number. Like he's, he's for real. He he really is a scorer. He's very versatile. He can drive to the rim and draw fouls. He's got some passing in him. He didn't really cut when he was in the Washington system, but he didn't have to. And he wasn't kind of required to, but I, th- I think he's big and athletic enough to be able to do that when he's in Denver system. Uh I think that he's a good fit. He's not going to play every time. He's not going to play every game. Sometimes it will be Torrey Craig for defensive purposes. Sometimes it will be Jordan McRae for shooting purposes. Most likely in the playoffs, in a playoff setting, Michael Malone is probably going to go with Torrey Craig. So uh, I think that people kind of look at this deal through the prism of what they think Malik Beasley could be and not necessarily what he would be for this team this year. I think Jordan McRae is just as good as what Malik Beasley would provide this season.
1: Yeah, and I and just looking at Jordan McRae, like I'm a I'm a big guy with that continuity fit and they lost three people who obviously have been with the team for a while in Malik Beasley, Wancho, and Jared Vanderbilt. But when you go on like Jordan McRae's Twitter and you see what all the Washington reporters write about him, he seems like the coolest, nicest guy ever that's just going to fit seamlessly in this locker room. Like I, I think he's going to be right. a perfect fit, I really do.
0: And the Nuggets really prioritize good people. And it's too bad that I think the the thing that'll hurt the most about losing Beasley, Wancho, and Vanderbilt was just they were good people. They were really nice human beings, and you've been in that locker room and you'd understand yeah. kind of who they are. Well exactly. I mean we, we we don't have like the, the inside information and into who exactly they are as people, but they were super nice and beloved in the uh, in the Denver Nuggets locker room. So yeah, and I think getting- that's
1: that's that's exactly where I'm at with like not knowing how to really process the trades because it's not like the Nuggets got bad players back. Like they got good players back that can compare with the Wancho's and the Beasleys and the Vanderbilts. The only thing that I question is that continuity factor. And I mean, it obviously didn't affect the Nuggets last night in the Utah game, but it's something that still worries me a long time. But I think that these the Nuggets have a different mindset this year, and I think they can overcome it. But that's the only part where I'm worried is that kind of that chemistry aspect.
0: Well, let's look at some of the other guys that they got back, and let's start with Noah Vonleh because I think he has the he's the more likely guy to play this year. Uh, Noah Vonley, is kind of he's a big man. He can play the power forward or the center position depending on who you put him with. One of the things that I think stands out about him is he's an elite rebounder on both ends. And that's including the offensive end. So if you put him at center, he can grab rebounds, and I think that that's a that's a big deal when you're when you're with this Nuggets team. That's one of their identities is that they're one of the best rebounding teams in all of basketball. Uh, if if Mason Plumlee is out for let's say the next four or five games or however many games they have until the all-star break I think it's three actually if he's out for the next three games I think Noah Vonley plays off the bench for the next three games and gives them pretty decent numbers gives them at least at least gives Nikola Jokic a break and he can help them get through the regular season unscathed I think
1: yeah, no, I think he can definitely help him out. And it's, he's a he's a guy who I think the Nuggets have kind of coveted for a while because if you remember last year during the trade deadline, the only guy that was like the big rumor that they were actually interested in was Noah Vonley. So that was the only guy that right. came out. So it, it's a guy that they've coveted for a little bit. So they obviously think he can do him some good. So I think that definitely in the situation where the Nuggets are a little shorthanded, I think Noah Vonley is going to have a really good opportunity to help contribute. And if he does contribute, it's only going to give – Michael Malone and the Nuggets players give him some more chances to maybe play when everybody comes back healthy. But it's, it's still just hard to see how everyone's going to fit in to the lineup when everybody is back healthy.
0: Yeah, what really stands out about him offensively is when when I kind of di- I did a profile on Denver Stiffs on uh, Noah Vonleh, Kate Bates Diop, who we'll talk about, and I I talked about Shabazz Napier while he was in the Nuggets uniform for basically 12 hours he's a nuggets Um, legend as far as i'm concerned nuggets lifer that's what i'll say (laughs) Uh, (laughs) but uh i'll also have one up for jordan McRae tomorrow so if anybody is interested in learning some more about the stats aspect of these guys then check that out on denverstiffs.com the thing that stands out about noah vonley he's got a really good touch offensively Uh, He isn't always going to make the right play. He's not an elite passer. He turns the ball over probably a little bit too much, even though his his assist-to-turnover ratio is positive. It's not not great. Uh, He has good touch around the rim, finishes at a high level. Uh, He used to be able to shoot threes when he was in New York. If he can get back to that level, then that would be something that would be really important for what the Nuggets want to do. Uh the problem is, is he's not a good defender. And when you when you play for Michael Malone you have to play good defense. Now defense wasn't exactly a priority for New York and for Minnesota, so it's possible that he didn't develop enough while he was there or or wasn't even asked to try that whole hell of a much in those places. Uh he will be asked to be a defensive player when he is on the Nuggets' side, when he's on the floor. And if he can't defend, then he's just not going to play, and they'll go without him in the rotation. Uh, but either way, he he has some talent, he has some capability, and it wouldn't surprise me if he was stuck around with the Nuggets next season. Uh, but he is on an expiring contract, and it wouldn't surprise me if he was also let go.
1: Yeah. No, I think that this is a really good opportunity for him, though, to just... Take advantage, man, because he's been on one, two, three. He's already been on four NBA
0: teams. So I mean, he's, yeah, he's got. I think a, drafted in twenty fourteen. Is that right? Like he's bounced around yeah. the league.
1: Drafted in twenty fourteen. I mean, he's still only twenty
0: four years old, though. So he's still a really yeah. Young he's player. got uh, he's got some untapped potential. I mean, this. This is a really young Nuggets team overall, and so he would fit right into kind of the core of that group. And it's one of the other reasons why I like this deal is it does not make them any older. Like even though like Jordan McRae's twenty eight, but Kade Bates-Diop, who we'll we'll talk about now, is twenty three, twenty four. Uh, I think he's 24. I think he just turned 24, but I could be wrong about that. But I like him for their future. He's not going to play right now, but I do really like Keita Bates-Diop. What have you seen from him that gives you some excitement?
1: Well, the thing with Keita Bates-Diop that I just remember, it was, it was the first – off season where I was really covering the team with all the pre-draft workouts and all that stuff and he was one of the guys that actually really stood out to me and it was one of the guys I think that they thought about possibly drafting just because he had it seemed like he had a really good pre-draft workout for the, the limited time that the media gets to watch and he had a really good interview so again kind of like Noah Vonleh, he's a guy that the Nuggets had kind of been watching for a while and they were able to acquire in this deal so Something with him, though, is his three-point percentage isn't bad, really. I mean, he's shooting 33% from three, which, which isn't terrible for a guy his size. So I think that he's and he is 24, like you mentioned, so he's still really young. And I think that he is a guy that could stick around and is a guy that they could definitely develop, similar to kind of like a Tory Craig or something with a little more offensive upside, I think.
0: Yeah, there's definitely something to be said for that. He was drafted 48th overall, so the Nuggets had a couple of chances to pick him. Uh, they didn't end up doing so. They picked Jared Vanderbilt as kind of a, a, a ceiling play in the second round, but you're right. They, they were interested in him when they got Michael Porter jr. I think they had to kind of pivot. They didn't want to draft two forwards at the same time. They wanted to draft a, a forward in Michael Porter jr. And then a guy who projects as a big in Jared Vanderbilt, excuse me. Um, uh, and I think that made sense at the time, but because Vanderbilt didn't necessarily develop at the rate that they wanted him to, getting Keita Bates-Diop right now is a great thing. I think that with Michael Porter Jr., I think he's going to start next year. I, I don't see any reason why they wouldn't start him next year. They'll need a backup, and they'll need a backup forward that knows how to defend, that knows how to hit spot-up threes. Keita Bates-Diop is also an elite cutter. Already he knows how to move off ball. And the one thing that stands out in a Jokic offense is if you have a big athletic dude who knows how to cut, he's going to get buckets. It's going to open up the floor for the rest of the guys. And even more so than than Torrey Craig, K Debates has a seven foot three wingspan. That is huge. That is massive. Yeah, ginormous. Whatever adjective that you want to use, honestly. <laughs> use the whole book. Get the thesaurus out. <laughs> but he he has the great physical profile that projects really well in the NBA. He's got the body that you want in a defensive forward. So if he can shoot, that's going to be a big deal. If he can shoot, if he could hit like 33, 35% from three next year, I think the Nuggets would be really comfortable bringing him off the bench. Maybe they'd let one of Paul Millsap or Jeremy Grant go, I would guess it would be Paul Millsap or they'll sign Paul Millsap to a cheaper deal and ask him to maybe play some spot minutes as opposed to a regular season rotation. I think that Katie Bates-Diop can make an impact.
1: Yeah, no, I agree. I agree completely. And I think that he's going
0: to have an opportunity to. For sure. Okay. Then let's, let's, uh, the 2020 Houston first round pick. We talked about that. Uh, other things that I think Denver could do, they have 14 players on their roster as soon as they cut Gerald Green, which is going to happen, by the way. I didn't mention that at the top, but Gerald Green will be cut. TJ McBride of, of Mile High Sports reported that first. Uh, PJ Dozier is on a two-way contract, and he has absolutely earned the right to be on a guaranteed contract. I think he... He projects to be a playoff player if guys struggle, if, if the Nuggets need some extra size at the point guard position, or if guys get into foul trouble or get injured. P.J. Dozier should absolutely be the emergency third point guard, in my opinion. So don't be surprised if they guarantee his contract, convert his two-way deal to a full-time deal before the playoffs, because if they need him, uh, they can't use him while he's on a two-way contract. Yeah. No, I would
1: really like to see P.J. Dozier stick stick around for the long term. And I mean, the Nuggets have done a really good job of identifying talent and some of them kind of escape, kind of like Kenrich Williams escaped. Terrence Davis escaped. I don't think we want P.J. Dozier to escape. I think the Nuggets need to find a way to keep him long term. And I think that extra roster spot is just the way to do it
0: yeah, by guaranteeing the deal, they didn't offer guaranteed deals to Terrence Davis or Kenrich Williams. And I think that was a mistake. I think that they, like, one of the reasons why they kept, or why they got rid of Kenrich Williams was they had Tyler Lydon on their roster and didn't want to give him up. Uh, That was a mistake. They should have ate that money. And Given that shot to Kenrich Williams because he could play a role in this league, he would basically be very similar to what Kade Bates Diop is providing, just a little bit less athletic, actually a lot less athletic, but it is what it is. Yeah, um, and,
1: and Terrence Davis has just been on a tear this year in Toronto, man. It's been really special. He's awesome. Launch. I mean, he only Good played for him. he only played one summer league game with the Nuggets, but that summer league game was a ton of fun. You could just tell that dude was a player from the moment he stepped out there.
0: Yeah, the Nuggets knew too. They didn't want to give him up, but they didn't have any roster or well they, they wanted to keep a roster spot open. They could have converted his contract, but Toronto offered him another opportunity where he could actually uh have a role. And he does have a role. So Dozier is very similar in this case. He is currently the third point guard, but don't be surprised if they convert his contract, and then have a decision to make about who to be the backup point guard next season. Monte Morris has been awesome, but PJ Dozier just provides a different—he he just provides a different skill set that the Nuggets don't really have.
1: So I have a I have a question. So how do these forty five days work with PJ Dozier? Like, how do you monitor how many days he's been up here and how many days he hasn't?
0: So it it's still a there's still a little bit of self policing going on with how many days a player is actually on the roster. How I think it works is that travel days do not count unless they are part of a practice. Um, and Denver obviously doesn't practice very often because they, they don't have the time to, and they they give their guys a lot of time off. Um, and what else? What else? What well, else? the the um, interesting
1: thing is, that I think the G League season's almost over. So I, I just have no idea. It's
0: over. I looked it up. It's over on March 28th. So it's not it's not quite yet. But given the All Star break is coming up, given March 28th is is soon after that. It's about a month and a half, or it's about five weeks after that. They can get through it. Uh, if I had to guess right now, I would say Dozier has probably used about 30 of his 45 days. So he'll use another three probably to be on the roster for these next three games. But actually four if you count the practice that he's about to do tomorrow. Yeah. Um, but I think that they can make it work until the end of the season. They just have to make sure to guarantee his contract because if they don't, then he won't be able to play. The two-way contracts are not allowed to be on the roster.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. They, they definitely got to find a way to make that happen. I mean, he's been, he's been fantastic, and he's been given an opportunity, and it's like you wouldn't even know that he spent most of the season in the G League. Like, he fits perfect. It's unbelievable, really.
0: Yeah, he just he fits like a glove. He just knows how to play. And when you have a guy who just knows how to be in the right place, he took a great charge in the clutch minutes last game, just just Wednesday night. He took a charge on Ingalls that swung the game. Yeah. So I'm looking forward to seeing what they do with him. As a South Carolina guy, I have a little bit of an extra rooting interest with PJ, so I hope that he sticks around for sure. Uh, tell you what, let's take a quick break. When we come back, we can talk about this Nuggets win in Utah. I think that there's there's a lot to talk about, of course. And while other outlets have talked about it, I think that we should talk about it too because it needs as much airtime as possible. Uh, we'll be right back. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice. All right, we're back. Denver Stiff Show. I am with Brandon Ewing on the other line. Skip, I'm running out of ways to praise Nikola Jokic. Uh, there are no words anymore to describe other than maybe like deity. Uh, that would be that would be the first word choice I would go to when describing him. What, what was your reaction when you saw the stat line that he put up and the game winning shot that he hit against Utah?
1: Oh, the game winning shot was just magnificent. I mean, Monte Morris goes up for the little the little shot fake, gets the ball to Jokic, great entry, and just hits the little Sombor shuffle shot over Rudy Gobert. I mean, it's tough to it's tough to paint a picture better than that, man. And then you look at the stat line, twenty one rebounds, it's like, My goodness. Like, holy cow, thirty points, ten assists, 39th career triple double. I mean, what did he not do in the game?
0: Thirty nine career triple doubles for somebody his age is nuts. That's absolutely absurd. And the way that he got the 39th one, I mean, you said it, 30-20-10. Very few people. 10. That's that's the ninth in NBA history, the ninth of those. And let me tell you, he absolutely dished it out to Rudy Gobert all night. That dude could not stay with Nikola Jokic. Jokic continues to eat Gobert's lunch. This is the second straight game that he's done it. Uh, he has figured out the Stifle Tower and how to go at him in the post it took him a little bit of time but he has finally cracked that nut
1: oh absolutely which made me low-key kind of pissed off tonight when team Giannis selected Rudy Gobert over Jokic in the draft I'm like dude did you not see what happened 24 hours ago (laughs)
0: what's (laughs) up with that man I mean he Giannis has to know that that was dumb yeah he knows that he's less scared of of Rudy Gobert than he is of Nikola Jokic after the (laughs) Milwaukee Bucks just lost to Denver on the second night of a back-to-back.
1: Well, Giannis is – it's no offense to him. Great player. Love Giannis. He's, could, he'd be the worst GM ever. Somebody look at his all-star <laughs> squad like, I don't understand what we're doing here. Like he just yeah. kept saying, I'm just going to draft guys that I think are going to play hard. You know what? Let's just – just give me Bam out of bio. Just give, just give it to me. And then lebron LeBron's like, okay, I'll just take like Damian Lillard then. <laughs>
0: Yeah, it's 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 night and day, honestly, between those two teams. Uh, it it was like that last year too, except Jokic ended up on team Giannis because he was doing the whole international thing. Uh, not this year. Uh, Jokic goes to team LeBron in the in the All Star draft, and oh, he gets that's to gonna play be, with Luka be fun. Doncic. Holy cow! That's
1: he really also fun. has
0: to he also has to contend with James Harden, Damian Lillard, and Russell Westbrook for possessions. So. Don't don't count your chickens.
1: Well, hopefully they miss enough shots that he's under the rim, gets the easy rebounds because no one's going to box out and he just gets all these two point shots. He's gonna he's, he's gonna he's, be like twelve for twelve
0: with eight rebounds. He will not touch the ball with his second hand. He will only tap that ball up with one hand and grab it with one. That's a that's <sighs> tongue in cheek, but probably is going to happen at least twice or three times. Oh, absolutely. Um, uh, let's get back to this Utah game because I think. It has to be said that the Nuggets played seven players. They only played seven guys. They only had seven active... Well, they had nine active players, technically, but only seven were actually going to play. And seven played very well. Uh, Black Coach Chanchar made a joke online after the game that there were snow white and the seven dwarves and michael malone was snow white
1: oh i uh, love the, i love the question <laughs> like who's the snow white and he just says michael malone with the emoji smiley face with like the <laughs> blushing with the blushing one it's like, so that's, funny that's, that's and, it, and
0: it's it's true but i don't know if you can find anybody whiter than Chanchar Chanchar, nicola Jokic on this earth so it is what it is uh, but yeah hey Jokic was obviously awesome Jamal Murray had a really incredible game scoring and he's clearly hurt it it's it's getting to the point where it's it's not funny but like almost humorous how often Jamal Murray is hurt, not quite injured and just labors through it and plays so much better when he is hurt. Uh, what did you see from Jamal Murray on Wednesday night that you really liked?
1: Uh, I just love his guts, man. Like, he played a game-high 43 minutes on the second night of a back-to-back after just returning from his ankle sprain after missing 10 games the night before. (laughs) Like, that stat alone is unreal. And then add to it that he scored 31 points on 12 of 26 shooting, and he made four three-pointers. I mean... The, the minutes stat is the one that's crazy when you know what he was dealing with his injury and what he's still dealing with. And then for him to put that performance on, 31 points, which was also a game high, it, it's very special. And you could just tell how much the Nuggets wanted it, how badly they wanted it over Utah. And it really was a special performance, man. It, it really is tough to describe and put into words. But Jamal Murray was absolutely fantastic.
0: Yeah, some people will knock the 26 shots. And I understand why they will. Like, oh, you took 26 shots to get 31 points. That's not that special. But on this night, it absolutely was. I mean, the Jazz are still a great defense. And they they are hounding him consistently. And Royce O'Neal, whenever he's on the floor, guarded Jamal Murray. Uh, whenever Joe Ingles was guarding him and Mike Conley was guarding him, those guys are good defenders. And they, he also has to contend with Rudy Gobert, just like everybody else. So... And then, of course, the rest of the roster isn't exactly built to take a lot of high-volume shots. Uh, Torrey Craig, Gary Harris shot 0 of 13. We'll talk about that in a bit. Uh, Vlako Chanchar only took three shots. P.J. Dozer took six shots. Jokic had to take 24, Morris 12, and then Murray 26. Like The Nuggets just needed a guy. They needed a guy in addition to Jokic, who's obviously playing great. And Jamal Murray continues to step up. His second game back, he had 20 points on nine shots on Tuesday night against the Blazers, and then he had 31 points uh, on Wednesday night. And it's just a special performance. You got to give him a pat on the back.
1: Oh, exactly, and, and I don't have an issue with all the shots at all because I think he was still taking good shots, and I really liked the, the nine threes he took. I think that's something he used to do way more often. When he's oh, shooting yeah. those, even when he's shooting those when he was covered, he was still shooting them pure, and th- those things were going through the hoop swishing. Like they weren't even touching the rim at all. Like that's – you know when someone's hitting shots like that that they're on, and for him to miss 10 games, this to be his second game back and on the second I have a back-to-back – Man, it was just a, a gutty performance. It, it was really special. Really says a lot about this Nuggets team, and especially Michael Malone, to get to get them ready to play like
0: that. You know, Torrey Craig also shot two of five from three. Uh, he hit a really clutch shot, and, and I don't know. It's not going to be the one that's talked about, but it has to be said, and I, I want to give him credit for this, that his three – he, it was with about two, two and a half minutes left, maybe three, but the Nuggets were kind of scuffling a little bit. They were letting the game slip away and the ball winds up in Tory Craig's hands off of a pass from Nikola Jokic and Craig just chucks it from 27 feet. Nobody really expected him to shoot it. And for obvious reasons, but he hit it and it was so huge. If Craig can hit two threes in, in these games and just space the floor a little bit, he's going to be a dangerous playoff player. Like, if you can't leave that guy, he got 12 rebounds that night. I mean, come on. Like, that's that's where you look for the ultimate hustle guy. The only thing that I've ever really disliked about Craig is that he he bogs down the offense. I don't think he bogged down the offense tonight. I actually think that that was, that was Gary Harris on the other wing. So what did you see from Craig that you really liked?
1: Um, the thing I really like from Craig is those 12 rebounds. I mean, he was only two points shy of a double-double. In the 12 rebounds, four of them came offensively. And what we know about Torrey Craig over watching the last few years is that guy has a knack for the basketball, especially on the offensive end of yeah. the floor. Like He's always getting second-chance points. And like you said, if he can knock down – like literally just two three-pointers a game keep the defense honest space the floor that is huge to go along with the defense which we already know that he brings every single night so i think that that it's crazy how much energy tory craig can bring cuz i mean it's on a nightly basis that he is he's the Constant. most ener, he's the most energetic player on the floor and it's something that's contagious and it's something the rest of the team buys in i mean they only have seven guys last night and they hold utah to 95 points i mean Everyone's playing great defense, but
0: obviously Torrey Craig's the catalyst for that, in my opinion. He had one block during that game. If you remember which one it was, it was where Donovan Mitchell thought he got by him, tried to put the ball off the window, and Torrey Craig chased it down in the half court and blocked it off the glass. That is now his patented move. Like I don't know anybody else in the NBA as a perimeter player who is capable of doing that as consistently as he does, except for maybe like Ben Simmons. But Ben Simmons is the best perimeter defender in basketball. Uh, Torrey Craig is just, just showcasing exactly what he can be as a man defender on guards. I really, really, really like what I've seen from him over, over the last few games. And he's definitely justified a rotation spot going forward and in the playoffs.
1: Yeah, and I remember it was I was coming home from the Utah game, and I was talking to my brother on the phone, and we were talking about Torrey Craig because he's a big Nuggets Nuggets fan too. And we are sure. talking about how crazy it is how – because he got beat in that game, it looked like by Donovan Mitchell. He catches up and just destroys the shot at the rim. Like it's almost uncanny how it looks like Torrey Craig's beat, and then he immediately just catches up and just blocks the ever living crap out of the dude's shot. It's unreal. It's just a special skill that he has. It's, it's crazy, and it seems like he does it on a nightly basis. It's like he's setting up the guys. They're like, oh sweet, I just blew by him. I got a wide open layup.
0: Was just gonna say that that it seems almost purposeful that he gives them this half step makes it look like they've beat him, and then attacks the ball right off the glass and knows exactly where they're going to lay it up. Now, teams are going to scout that. They're going to eventually figure out that that's what he does, and maybe that isn't as effective in a playoff setting. But, my God, he's done it against Damian Lillard. He he swatted a ball in CJ McCollum's face uh, on Tuesday night. It was very impressive to see what he's done against these, uh, these guard offensive stars. Damian Lillard had a bad night. CJ McCollum had an okay night against the Nuggets on Tuesday night. But by the time CJ started getting hot, the game was already over. The Nuggets were up 30. So it's it's wonderful to see. I, I am as high on Torrey Craig as I think I've ever been. Yeah.
1: No, I agree completely. I think this is the highest I've been on him since his his summer league performance because he was unreal in the summer league. And I was like, holy cow, this guy could be special. And then obviously he's been been good the last few years, but now he's playing some really good basketball and he's really helping this Nuggets team out. Not just defensively, but like you said, offensively, he's starting to contribute and that's huge for him.
0: We've talked a, a briefly about PJ Dozier. I think he deserved some some credit as well for this game. He had uh, what what were the numbers on on him for this he game? He
1: had th- two for six on the from the field, zero for two from three. But he still had five good
0: points, three rebounds, one assist, three steals, three steals, and a block. Yeah, that's huge. And like in twenty five minutes, if you can get that from a guard, like. That's that's about all you can really ask for from a guy who's coming off the bench, and and he wasn't the guy who was passing the ball, and the Nuggets' offense wasn't great. Don't get me wrong, but they figured it out. They figured out how to make it work with him on the floor, and he was just showing his versatility when the Nuggets went small. He could defend bigger guys with relative ease. Uh, Joe Ingles, one of four tonight from from that distance. Bogdan Bogdan Boyan Bogdanovich, excuse me, six of eighteen. Mike Conley started off hot. He he went six of thirteen, but he started off even better than that. Donovan Mitchell eight of twenty-four, of course. Uh Vlako Chanchar also played in this game. I I don't have too much to say about Vlaco. He looked like he was setting a lot of screens, man. Yeah, hey, hey and sometimes <laughs> that's what you need. Sometimes that's all that's all you have to give. And if he is stuck playing small ball center, I feel a little bit better about how they can play around him if he's in that situation, like maybe Michael Porter jr's out there as a four and Flacco chanchar is the five and the nuggets just figure it out. Um, okay. But I've kind of, I've kind of buried the lead here. The one guy I haven't really talked about is Gary Harris, uh, polarizing game from Gary Harris. If you just look at it without the shooting, uh, without the points, he had eight rebounds, five assists, one steal, he did have three turnovers, but he was a plus seven. Uh, and when you look across from him, Donovan Mitchell was eight of twenty-four. So he's clearly doing something right outside of the shooting aspect. But when you go O of thirteen and O of six from three, you're not gonna you're not gonna make a lot of friends shooting that way. Uh, how worried are you on a scale of one to ten? Uh, one being not worried at all. Ten, the alarm bells are ringing, and we need to make a move right now, or he needs to be out of the starting lineup right now. That about Gary Harris's shooting? How worried are you?
1: Um, I'm a little concerned. I'd I'd put it at about a six. Like I'm over I'm over halfway there. I mean, the he's shooting under thirty percent from three now. He's shooting twenty nine percent from three, and that is the that's the lowest mark of his career since his rookie year, where he was only twenty percent from three right, so, and I mean he was thirty three percent last year after going thirty nine percent three years ago, so it dropped off six percentage points last year and now we're down ten percentage points from two years ago, so I mean, I know that's just one stat, but I'm a little concerned the the over thirteen has me worried I'm gonna be honest, but I mean, I'll give him credit he had two clutch free throws at the very end of the game, and that's tough to do when you have a stat line like that. <laughs>
0: True. Did get to the line six times. He did get fouled right at the end and and made the two free throws when they counted. So credit where credit is due there for sure. But it's really hard to fake 0 of 13 and 0 of six from three. Like it's, it's hard to sugarcoat it too. Like he had a lot of great looks. He had some like wide open shots that he overthought. He clearly has a hitch in his jumper right now. Uh, It doesn't look good and he just looks like he's completely out of whack. So I am worried about him. I think I would give it about a six as well, maybe a seven. Uh, it's trending. It's trending
1: towards the bad side of the scale.
0: Yeah. And and you never want to be in that position because he, he is a good player. And if you just take what he's done, take the eight rebounds and five assists and one steal, holding Donovan Mitchell to eight of 24, and you insert a 40% three-point shooting night onto that mark... It looks gosh darn good. Like like he would be a super impactful piece for this Nuggets team. And I think I would have a lot of confidence in this Nuggets team as a championship contender if Gary Harris played like that. But uh, he hasn't yet. And that's that's pretty scary. That's pretty scary for when Denver goes into the playoffs. Are they going to be relying on heavy minutes from Torrey Craig and Michael Porter Jr. and maybe upsizing and putting Jeremy Grant at the three, Will Barton at the two? Just because Gary Harris can't shoot, like that's that's a scary proposition to me.
1: Yeah, like I'm just I'm just looking at it now, and in his last six games, he's two for nine, two for ten. He's two for sixteen from three in the Nuggets' last six games. So that's 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 sixteen
0: percent.
1: Yeah, that's a little concerning. In the games before the six games, he was two for five and one of five, so it's a little better. But actually, excuse me,
0: that's that's twelve percent, twelve (laughs) point five percent.
1: Yeah, uh-huh. I don't know. It's it's just concerning, and the issue was he had that really big dunk in the Portland game, and you're like, oh, yes, Gary Harris is going to snap out of it. He's finally going to get out of this, but then he only took three shots in that game and went one for three, and he didn't even attempt a three in that game.
0: So. Yeah, the problem is the Nuggets were getting such open looks from everybody else that it's hard to – like if the, if the first options and second options are working, then you don't necessarily have to work the ball around, so – they had to work the ball around at this game and work out the the really tough Utah Jazz defense and the ball found Gary Harris a ton it's going to find him in the playoffs this isn't anything new this is something that the nuggets are going to have to figure out and i am a little bit worried so but let's 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 stop the negativity they won in Utah on a back-to-back with seven players it's, okay. it's like 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 that's that's about as good as you can get. And and you take everything that I just said about Gary Harris with a grain of salt, because he could have a really good month shooting, and his numbers could look really good in just a few in just a few weeks. So I think you gotta hope that he turns it around. And if he does turn it around, then Snuggets team looks really good. So and yeah. even even without it, they still look really good. He's still a really good defender and making impactful plays. Yeah, no, he's he's still it's not like he's not finding a way to contribute. It's
1: just that we all know that he could contribute more, but the shots just aren't falling now and they're kinda not falling at a more alarming rate. So it leaves you worried. So it's not like he's not contributing. It's not like he's a liability out there. But offensively he's it's, it's certainly raising some big red flags.
0: And actually that's gonna do it for part one of this episode of the Denver Stiff Show. Brandon and I went long. We had a really great conversation that will come out tomorrow about Denver's place in the West post-trade deadline, where they fit into this whole thing, whether they match up with certain teams well in a playoff series. I think it's really interesting given the movement in the West, the Rockets going small. The Clippers getting Marcus Morris, the Lakers doing nothing. How does that impact Denver in the future? Uh, Thank you for tuning into this episode of Denver Stiff Show today. We will be back tomorrow.